Amen, amen. Good, good to be with you, Eastview family, celebrating what God has done for us through Jesus Christ. Peace to all of you. If you're visiting with us today, this happens a lot uh, during this time of the year. You're visiting maybe a family or a friend, and this is your first time. We're glad you're here at Eastview Christian Church, and we want to get to know you. So anytime during the service, text hello to that number on the screen. If you're watching online, we love you. It's good to have you with us, and uh, God bless you guys for being uh, with us today. We got a lot of stuff to cover. We're going to be in Leviticus chapter 7. Hey, I want to say hello to Sherry at Fort Myers, and that's the only name I've got today. Sherry, thanks for playing. We're sending you a free t-shirt right now. I'm just kidding. I don't know if that's true or not, but God bless you, Sherry. We're glad you're with us. And, uh, and guys, we are in the Word of God today in Leviticus 7. It's what we do if you're new to Eastview, if you've never been. It's kind of what we do here. It's important for us to hear from God. There's two things I want to t- tell you pastorally before we begin. Number one, you guys obviously watched everything that transpired in uh, Afghanistan this week, and you know all the stuff that's going on there. And uh, I'm happy to tell you that Eastview, because of your generosity and money that we have on hand for these kind of things. We've already uh, sent money to our partners at CICM, who uh, have large churches, by the way, of Afghanistan rev- uh, Afghani refugees in Delhi. So we know 200 families are going to be clothed and fed and housed because of the generosity of Eastview Christian Church. And so that's how we're responding uh, to Afghanistan. Doesn't that make you feel awesome that you can help people on the other side of the world, literally? And so we're, uh, we're excited about that. Of course, we're constantly helping Haiti. We have two organizations there that we work with, and your giving will continue to bless them as well. Guys, I, I want to say one other thing. We believe in the power of prayer, and later on, Jason's going to come up here, and he's going to tell you about these three weeks that we've prayed about for a whole year. Uh, Next week is Vision Sunday. The week after that, we're going to take over this town by throwing parties in every neighborhood and just sharing the love of Jesus. And then after that, we start an all-church study called On Purpose. And we've prayed about these things, but you know what? We still need more prayer. And so I'm inviting you guys all to come. Two opportunities this week, 645 Wednesday at the Bloomington campus. You can go there and we'll have a prayer time for you, or you can come here in this auditorium, 6.30 this Thursday, and the elders will be here. We're going to pray together, uh, and uh, what did I say, a.m. or p.m.? Oh, oh, I didn't say. You guys guess. We'll see you at 7.30. <laughs> That's my assistant, Sarah, over there helping me out. It's a.m. It's got to get up early in the morning to make this happen, all right, people? All right, so 6.45 a.m. at the B.C., 6.30 here at the normal campus, and I hope to see a lot of you guys there so we can pray for what God's doing. Well, let's get to our Bibles today, and let's get to Leviticus 7, and I don't have to convince you, you know, most of the time preachers start off sermon by saying, let me tell you why you need to listen to this sermon. Well, this one's easy because it's about peace. And we live a culture in a culture in a world right now that is definitely not peace. Uh, you know, the way that sometimes you just write a sermon is you begin, begin by looking at all the headlines of the week. Afghanistan, the war is over, is it? There's still more warring going on. People are still carrying guns. People are still afraid. People are still trapped. Uh, politicians and government officials are blaming one another doesn't sound peaceful to me. Meanwhile, in Haiti, a recent presidential assassination followed by an earthquake, followed by a near hurricane, doesn't sound peaceful. Um, Wildfires and heat waves in the northwest, we're getting ready to get hit by a hurricane in the northeast. COVID is on the rise. Frustration, required vaccinations at work and mask mandates at school, angry. (laughs) Hospital beds filling up, loved ones who have died or are dying, sadness. Conspiracy theories and political posturing everywhere, distrust, social media's back and forth, hateful. 
Christians debating and dividing disunity. Every word that I just used there described definitively not peace. It's scary, and we're divided, and we're angry, and we're fighting, and we're arguing, and we're hateful, and we're devastated, and we're scared. And it's not that we don't talk about peace. We actually, in our culture, we have symbols for peace. You'll recognize these. We have the peace sign from the 60s, another time that looked pretty much like what we're going through right now. Funny how life cycles. But peace, y'all. Then we have this emoji. Some of you guys have seen that. You use emojis all the time. You speak emoji that you're, that you're speaking in tongues from the Holy Spirit. I speak emoji. Peace. And then this uh, is an old peace sign. It's the dove and it's the figly or the uh, olive branch. And uh, it probably comes all the way back from Noah when he sent the, uh, the uh, bird out of the ark at the end of the flood and it brought an olive branch. So this today is still a peace sign, the dove and the olive branch. In fact, it has become, you know, like the, the Hebrew greeting, shalom. And uh, here's the deal today. What I want to, before we get into Leviticus 7, I want to tell you is we have pictures for peace. We have greetings for peace, shalom, in a lot of the world. We wish for peace. And yet we find ourselves, most of us in here today would say there's something in our world that makes us not feel very peaceful today. And uh, it's like we're all in this boat of non-peace with the storm around us. And we're waiting for someone like you did 2,000 years ago to stand up and say, peace. Be still. That's what this sermon's about. I just gave it away, spoiler alert. But here we go. Leviticus chapter 7, starting with verse 11. Good place to buy stuff. Also the verse first, 7-11. I'm as sharp as ever today, guys. Here comes the word of the Lord. Leviticus 7, verse 11. This is the law of the sacrifice of the peace offerings that one may offer to the Lord. If he offers it for a thanksgiving, then he shall offer with the thanksgiving sacrifice unleavened loaves mixed with oil, unleavened wafers smeared with oil, and loaves of fine flour well mixed with oil. With the sacrifice of his peace offerings for thanksgiving, he shall bring his offering with loaves of leavened bread. And from it he shall offer one loaf from each offering as a gift to the Lord. It shall belong to the priest who throws the blood of the peace offerings. And the flesh of the sacrifice of his peace offerings for thanksgiving shall be eaten on the day of his offering. He shall not leave any of it until the morning. But if, sacrifice of his, uh, if the sacrifice of his offering is a vow offering or a free will offering, it shall be eaten on the day that he offers his sacrifice. And on the next day, what remains of it shall be eaten. But what remains of the flesh of the sacrifice on the third day shall be burned up with fire. Let's pray and let's ask God to speak to us about peace today. Lord, we have sung about it. May your face be turned towards us, your countenance, and shine upon us, and bless us, and give us peace. God, this sermon is my prayer for me, and for this congregation, for anyone who's watching today online, for anyone who's visiting, anyone who can hear this declaration through Jesus Christ, peace. So God, would you do what only you can do? Would you bring peace in the midst of the storm? Would you bring peace in the midst of fear and peace in every heart that's here? God, would you be who you are, the God of all peace today, through your son Jesus? Give me the words to say it. In Jesus' name, amen. 
Well, you guys are pretty smart when it comes to Bible stuff, so you know that there's 27 books in the New Testament. If you're wondering how Leviticus chapter 7 relates to the New Testament, I'm going to tell you, all but nine of the books of the New Testament within the first three verses have this greeting, it's a Christian greeting, grace and peace. It's, it's a prayer, it's a greeting because the Apostle Paul was a Jewish guy. So when you look at all the writings of the Apostle Paul, you guys can check my, uh, my, my study later, but you go to every letter he wrote to a church or to an individual within two or three verses of his opening of his letter, he says this, grace and peace to you in the name of Jesus Christ. So it is a greeting because he's Jewish, so he would always say shalom. It is a prayer because he hopes that we would have grace and peace but it's also a declaration of what's true about those of us who follow Jesus Christ. Hey, guys, I know the world. I just described it. Grace and peace to you. The grace of God that brings peace to his people is what we're going to look at today, and it's something worth noting about this offering. How do we get peace? How does God bring us peace? Well, let's look at this offering first. And here's the first thing. I've got this in your notes. I hope you guys uh, use your notes. We work hard at putting them out there every week. The peace offering is desired, not required. And here's the thing that's going to blow your socks off, and it blows me away about all of these offerings. God desires to be approached. That's why he made these offerings. And God desires peace with us and for us as much as we desire peace. Anybody desire peace this morning? Would you just like to go, I'm okay. Peace. Not worried about things. Not worried about the future. But this peace offering is something we desire. In fact, it's not required. Unlike all the other offerings that we've looked at during this series, you don't have to do this. You don't have to have a peace offering. You don't have to offer a peace offering. Look at the words there in verse 11. And, and, and again, it's subtle, but it says, these are the peace offerings that one may offer to the Lord. You may. The word if is all through these verses that I just read, over and over. If you do it, you may do it. And, and in verse 16, that's kind of the clincher there. We'll talk about this more in just a moment. But verse 16, if the sacrifice of his offering is a free will offering, in other words, you don't have to. It's a free will offering. It's something that's spontaneous and something that you get to do. Many English versions, maybe yours, and even the, the uh, Hebrew rabbis, they sometimes refer to this offering as a free will offering. The peace offering is not something you have to do. It's something you get to do. It's something that brings you peace. And this offering is way, the way that God get, gave us a way to, to celebrate and to get close to him and to have peace. What do you, what's not peaceful in your life today? What is, what is the opposite of peace? And I wrote some of these words down. The opposite of peace is fear, turmoil, stress, worry, discord, hostility towards you. In other words, the respective worlds that most of us live in. What's stressing you out today? Your kids stressing you out? Your parents stressing you out? Your siblings stressing you out? Family situations? Things from the past stressing you out? What's causing turmoil in your soul today? Money? relationships, you wish you had a boyfriend or a girlfriend, you wish you didn't have a boyfriend or a girlfriend. What, what is it that's stressing you out, causing turmoil in your soul? What are you afraid of? Your marriage is not going well, your future's not sure, your job's on the line, you've you got bills coming up that you can't pay, 
Who do you feel is against you? I know most of us don't have enemies like people running around the streets in some parts of the world with Uzis and they don't like you. But if you do anything in this world very long and you have relationships with other humans, they won't like you for some reason. Who do you feel is against you? Guys, here, here's the ultimate not peace thing in our culture right now. It's COVID-19. It is unpeaceful. It does not bring me peace. There's nothing peaceful about it, right? And I, I, you guys may have known this if you're watching Mike Talks or just keeping up with our family prayer and Sarah on Facebook. Um, that's the real gospel in our house, Sarah's Facebook page. But anyway, uh, we kept Israel uh, two days this week. So Mikey and Monica have some relief. Listen, parenting is for young people. <laughs> but, but we had a blast. But in the midst of our time with him, here's what I discovered. He preached a parable to me. Israel preached a parable to me. You know why? When things are going good for Israel, he's happy. He's at peace. This is awesome. When things, when he doesn't get his way, here's his, his phrase, no fun. <laughs> Papa, no bloom, no fun. No fun. Go outside, no fun. And I'm like, I recognize myself in that, don't you? It's a temper tantrum. We're all collectively, if this is not you, then just sit back and say, it's not me. You guys are jerks. But I think it's most of us. Most of us are like, I don't want COVID anymore. No fun. No mask. No vaccine. And that's how we're acting. And, and the truth is, God doesn't want us to be tripped out every time some new announcement or new discovery or new vaccine or some conspiracy theory or whatever it is you think about it. He is tired of his people looking at this and going, no fun, God. <laughs> Listen, if you're a Christ follower, we have every reason to give peace and to have peace in our lives. I'm going to try to give you every reason for peace, even in the midst of COVID. But if you're here and you're not a follower of Jesus Christ, I know why you don't have peace. Because it begins with him. It begins with what he's done in my life. There's no way I can have peace in the midst of a storm unless I have Jesus. I'm not doing very well with him because of my faith or lack thereof. But I can't survive this storm or any storm without him. There is no peace without Jesus. And here's the good news about our desire for peace. God desires to have peace with us. That's what we've looked at. If you've paid attention at all the last four weeks, we've looked at these things like burnt offerings and sin offerings and guilt offerings. That's called grace. Remember I told you the greeting? Grace and peace. It is the grace of these offerings that take our place through the blood Leviticus 7 shows us that this grace is, is real because God has put these offerings in place to take away our sin. But the peace comes because now that we've taken away our sin, we can have relationship with him. And ultimately, this peace is found only in Jesus Christ. You guys know that Jesus was all about peace. Yes, he came to save us from our sins. That's the first part of these offerings. But he also came that we might have peace. You guys know Christmas is coming. What did the angels say when he was born at Bethlehem? Peace on earth. Because he's coming into the turmoil world like the ones we live in. What did Jesus say when he was in that boat in the middle of the storm and his disciples were going, no fun, we're drowning. And Jesus just stood up and said, peace, be still. What did Jesus do when the woman who had been bleeding for 12 years, he healed her and he said what? 
Go in peace. Your faith has healed you. See, Jesus, on the last night that he was alive, he talked about peace several times. In John 14, 27, look what he says. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give you. Let not your hearts be troubled, neither let them be afraid. I have said these things to you later in his talk with his loved ones, that you may have peace. In this world, you'll have tribulation. But take heart. I've overcome the world. The first thing I want us to do today with this offering from Leviticus 7, you get to come to a God who desires peace with you. And it's not because he's going to take away all your storms. I want you to hear that. He's not on the night he's betrayed saying, hey guys, I'm going to die and then nothing bad will ever happen to my followers ever again. That's not what he says. He accurately, whether you believe Jesus or not, believe in him as Lord and Savior or not, he accurately describes the world you live in right now. You will have tribulation. That's true. But I've come that in the middle of the storm, in the middle of the illness, in the middle of the chaos, you can have peace. If you desire peace today, here's what I want to tell you, Christian or non-Christian, if you're a follower of Jesus or not, there is an offering from the Old Testament in Leviticus 7 called the peace offering that was fulfilled in Jesus Christ. And that same Jesus still lives, and he still calms storms by shouting peace. And he came into this messed up world to declare peace. And he still brings healing so that you and I can have peace. There is a Savior named Jesus who brings us peace. The peace of God is something that he desires for us. It's not required. You can go on saying no fun all you want. But what he desires for us in the middle of all of what's going on in our lives is peace. And so he says, hey, Every once in a while, just on a Tuesday, just for fun, bring me a peace offering if you want to so we can be at peace with one another. And that leads to the second part of this teaching from Leviticus 7. The peace offering is about relationship. Did you notice that? This is Actually, um, there are three words that kind of describe relationships that are the, the three different parts of this, of this uh, sacrifice, this offering. Verse 11 uh, this is the peace offering, and then it breaks it down into three categories. This is what Jewish rabbis have said for thousands of years, almost 3,500 years. There are three ways that you can say to God, peace. The first one is, verse 12, if he offers for it a thanksgiving. You're going you're gonna to re- recognize the thanksgiving offering because on the first week we had the grain offering, which was, remember, it's about being grateful and thankful for what God's done. So he describes that a little bit. If you missed that first sermon, go back and explain these verses. But then go down to verse 16. If the sacrifice of his offering is a vow offering, or if it's a free will offering. So there are three kind of relational transactions that we see in chapter 7 of of Leviticus that describe what this, this offering is all about. It's a thanksgiving offering, it's a vow offering, and it is the, the free will offering. I labeled it in my, um, in my notes, you'll see there, just because. It's a just because offering. And I see relationship in that. The Thanksgiving offering is what we do in every relationship. We voluntarily respond to God by saying thank you. Verse 14, you see the word gift there. And from it, he shall offer one loaf from each offering as a gift to the Lord. One of the things about all relationships, we give stuff to each other. 
The, the peace offering is a chance for us to really give God something, to give him a gift, to say, God, thank you, I'm grateful. As I said, it was part of that grain offering. Remember, the harvest comes, I have a good harvest, my flock is doing well. So I say, you know what? Thank you, God. I'm gonna return, you've blessed me, I'm gonna come back and say thank you for what you've done in my life. Then you have in verse 16, the vow offering. And this has to do with promises that we make with God and that we keep with God, and that God keeps with us. Now, I know that we've been taught not to make a bunch of vows. Like, I wouldn't pray all the time, God, if you give me this brand new car, I'll go to church the rest of my life. God, if you give me this job, then I will do that. God doesn't want to negotiate, and he doesn't want to be tempted. But it is okay to make promises to God to say, God, I'm going to read the Bible every day. God, I want you to know, because of our relationship, I'm going to get in a small group. I'm going to go to church every Sunday. God, God, I want you to know that I'm going to pray for this sister or brother in Christ all the time. God, I'm making a commitment to you, and I'm going to do it for the next month or the next year or whatever it is. And you make a commitment to God, and then when that commitment is kept, you go to God and you say, God, I did it. I just want you to know, I know you know, but here's an offering that says, I kept my promise to you because that's what people do in relationship. They keep promises. And God, you as your friend, I kept my vow to do your will. Peace. And God says, as your friend, I'm going to keep my promises always, peace. And the vow is a reminder that what we say to God in relationship with him, we do because that's what he always does. And then finally, you have the free will offering. It's Tuesday in the camp of the Israelites, and I don't have any reason to go uh, to the tabernacle today because it's not a special feast and it's not a worship celebration, but I just am thankful to God and I want to just tell him I love him and that we're in relationship and so I'm just gonna take him a gift. I'm gonna bake some bread, smear it with oil, grab a kid from the flock, grab my kids from the house and grab my wife and we're gonna go to the house of God and we are going to be together. Guys, this is true of all our human relationships. We were thinking through in our, uh, in our uh, preaching team meeting this week about the relationship of marriage or dating, or uh, you know, even if you're engaged, getting marriage. These, are, these things are all present. In, 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 the, in the marriage dating relationship, there's a thanksgiving offering. You have to keep being thankful and gracious to one another. You have to say kind things to one another. Not that you have to. You guys are taking notes now. It's like, have to say, love you. But it's, it's expected. You're not gonna have a friend very long if you don't thank one another. If you're not kind to one another, you don't speak to each other often. The, the thank offering is definitely in every relationship. But, but there's also the vow offering. You gotta keep promises. You can't, you can't have a friendship or a dating relationship or a marriage where you say, hey, you keep all your promises, I'm breaking all of mine. I'm not gonna do what I said I was gonna do. I'm not gonna keep any, you, you, I'm not gonna come home at night. I'm not gonna serve you. I'm not gonna love you. Uh, and, and so we do this. We, we keep our promises. We keep our promises to one another in a relationship. We can trust one another. But that's not enough still, guys. Really, most of us do the bare minimum of relationships. That's why our marriages and our dating and our friendships are a mess. Because we're like, hey, you told me to take out the trash. I did it. What do you want from me? Right? Hey, I did the, the chores that you asked me to do. Hey, I didn't, I didn't say anything bad to you. Hey, I, you know, and we're so pleased with ourselves when we do the bare minimum. That's where this, this final offering comes in here. This offering, this relationship that just says, hey, I just want to do something for you just because. 
It's just a kind word. It's just an extra thank you. It's an extra gift. It's an extra thing that, uh, it's a thing that made me think about you and maybe it will be special because you didn't expect it. Peace with God is all of this because it represents uh, a relationship with him. Today when you came in, we passed out these cards. I hope that you guys got one. If you didn't, I hope you get it on the way out. It is kind of the summary verse of our entire four-week study. And it's all about peace. I'm going to break it down for you real quick and, uh, and hopefully not to be too confusing, but look at this. I said confusing. <laughs> he himself is our peace. He has broken down in his flesh the dividing wall of hostility by abolishing the law of commandments. What are we talking about? We're talking about peace between us and God. All of these offerings are about peace between us and God. And how did he do it? He did it by his blood, by the blood of Jesus Christ. Again, I, I don't have time to really expound on this a whole bunch, but you see that even in this, in this uh, offering that is a peace offering, there is blood that is thrown in verse 14, the last part, against the, the altar. Blood sacrifice takes place. That's, that's the picture of Jesus Christ. And it's because of that blood that the, the hostility wall between us and God, God declares peace. By the way, God never declared war. We said to him, oh, your commandments, forget you. We declare war. We'll do it our way. And God goes, okay, it's really going to be hard for you. So hard that I'm going to send my son, Jesus Christ, to tear that wall down so that your sin doesn't stand between us. There is no more enmity, peace with God. But I want you to see something else that's really cool here. He, he might create in himself one new man in place of the two. What are the two? Reconcile us both. Who are the both? It's Jews and Gentiles. They had a race issue in the Bible times. Did you know that? Jewish people, descendants of Abraham, we're the promised ones. Jesus is for us only. Gentiles, hey, it's good news to us too. We want resurrection. And Jesus is saying what? Both. You guys don't have to fight anymore because I've torn down the wall between you and God and now you can tear down walls between one another. There's no reason for us to not like each other anymore. This whole thing is about peace with God. Hostility from us toward him by breaking his commands has been torn down by Jesus Christ. Grace and peace. But peace with one another is also a result. It reconciles us to people not like us. If you come to Eastview Christian Church, what you're going to find, and I hope you find it more and more, is a bunch of people not like you from different backgrounds, different ages, different places, different thoughts, different ideas. But we're all unified in the reality that Jesus Christ is Lord. And because you will state that Jesus Christ is your Lord, then I can love you. We're at peace. We're at peace. Grace and peace. But there's something else here that I think is astounding for us as we try to be this church of dangerous witness. It, he preached peace to you who were far off and peace to you who were near. In other words, this message is for insiders and outsiders. As we inundate this culture in the next couple of weeks here, as we head into Labor Day, and we have grill, we have cookouts with people that are just friends of ours, non-Christian friends, it's our chance to not be weird in the name of Jesus and just be people of grace and peace. What the world is waiting for is for you and I to not be weird, but just to speak grace and peace into their lives. As we've received it from God, and as we give it to one another, we give it to those who are far off. If you're far off today, grace and peace. Grace and peace. 
That's the message. That's what we've received. That's why we try, try, what we try to practice with one another. Guys, I believe that a chaotic and stressed out world is longing for a peaceful church. A church that proclaims by word and deed grace and peace to you. We sing this song that we sang today. It just always is moving that, that the Lord teaches us a blessing that we would bless each other with because that's how he wants to bless us. And here's the deal. That's how he wants to bless your neighbor. He wants to turn his face towards your neighbor. He wants to have peace in your neighbor's house, in your family's house, in your, in your co-worker's house, in your fellow student's house. That's the, that's the plan. That's why there's the peace offering. But the peace offering goes even deeper. It's cool. I can stop right there and go, oh, cool. God wants to have peace with us. God has relationship with us because peace. But there's something greater and even more intimate. The peace offering is about fellowship. You see that word there that, that I alluded to. Uh, I'm sorry. Sometimes this word is uh, called, uh, this offering is called the fellowship offering because it's about having peace in such a way that I can get close to God. This thanksgiving, this free will, this vow offering puts me in a place where I can eat with God. I said we can eat with God. Leviticus chapter 3 tells us this whole process. If you want to understand how they, they gave these sacrifices, this peace offering, go to Leviticus 3 later today and read it. It gives you a detail, and as you're reading through it, you're going to find out this looks more like a butchering process than a sacrifice. And it is. Removing certain organs, sacrifice certain organs, burning certain organs. But you know why it is that way? Because they're preparing a meal. This is the only sacrifice that we could offer in the Old Testament where we could eat in the presence of God. Leviticus 3 says, I want you to get some, uh, you know, a male or female from your flock, bring some bread, unleavened and leavened bread. Really weird in the Old Testament to have leavened bread. I want you to bring all the bread. I want you to bring the meat to the, the, the house of God, to the, to the entrance to the tent of meeting. And there, they're going to butcher it. They got the grill fired up. And you're going to eat in the presence of God. You, your family, your friends, the priests are going to eat some. There's a portion for them. And God himself is going to be in your presence and you're going to eat together. I'm not making this up. Look in verse 14. Verse 14, from it he shall offer one loaf from each offering as a gift to the Lord. It shall belong to the priest. So the priest is eating. And then in verse 15 through 17, it says that you shall eat these. Like for Thanksgiving shall he it be eaten on the day of his offering, verse 15. You, we're eating. You know, what? I, every time I hear the word fellowship, I, I flash back to my upbringing. When I was a kid growing up, I associated the word fellowship with food. Because the greatest food I've ever eaten in my life still to this day is in the fellowship hall. of The basement of my grandma's church. It's pies. Oh, it's pies. Uh, and it's, it's chicken. And it's cornbread. And it's macaroni and cheese. Can I get an amen? And even some casseroles. You wouldn't think a casserole. Even some casseroles. Did I mention pies? But here's, yes, there was good food in the fellowship hall. But you know what I remember the most? Laughter. And conversation. And hugs and high fives, sometimes tears, sometimes praying for you, caring under the umbrella of the church and sharing a meal together. There's nothing more intimate. When we built Cafe 19, a lot of people were like, 
man, you could spend your life on, or you spend your money on better things than having a cafe. And I, I think our cafe and our atrium is one of the most spiritual things we've ever done because it's a place we can do what this thing is calling us to. There's three people clapping for the cafe. <laughs> Guys, you should at least clap for the sugar cookies. It sounds crazy, but there's a picture of the peace offering as we're eating together in Cafe 19, as we share meals together. And if you're here today and you're a believer or a non-believer and you're wondering if God wants to eat with you, I can tell you, yes, for sure. I was going to say unequivocally, but I didn't know if I could say it or not. I can promise you that Jesus will eat with you because when he was here in the flesh, he ate with everyone. He ate with the unrighteous and the righteous and the self-righteous. Jesus ate with social elite and social outcasts and social leftovers. He ate with religious and irreligious. He, he, he ate with rich and with poor. He ate with young and with old. Jesus literally in his three years of ministry had a meal with everyone you could possibly describe. That means that he wants to have a meal with you. Ultimately, what we've already celebrated in communion this week is about his desire to eat with us. And all of this is a picture of the peace offering. Well, Mike, we can't go to the tabernacle anymore with a, a sacrifice and some bread. How can, I, how can I find peace in God's presence? Because that's what I want us to get back to. Remember, we said we're living in chaos right now. We're living in no fun, COVID. How can I find peace during these times? And here are four biblical ways. There are probably more. You can do it through praise. You can enter right now into the presence of God in intimate communion with him because of what he's done through Jesus Christ, and you can praise him. That's what the whole thank offering is about. The thanksgiving offering is we come into God's presence. When we sing songs, we praise God. Guess what? We're in the presence of God, and he loves it, and he's in fellowship with us. Prayer Anytime you want to enter it, and this is what Hebrews 10 says, because of the death, because of the grace of God through Jesus Christ, because of his sacrifice for our sin and our guilt, because of all that, we can boldly enter to the throne of mercy. We can go into the very presence of God. You want to talk to God today? You want peace today? Bow your head and say, dear Father, and you're there. You're in his presence. Guys, I really believe that we're missing this more than ever now during this COVID reality because how much are we blabbing on the, on the blogs and the social media and how much are we praying? You want peace? Stop looking at the news. Talk to God. Prayer. Finding peace in God's presence through church. The early church practiced presence. They were together. One of the things we learned during COVID is when you shut church down, it's bad. And when we're able to come back together, you know, some of you guys came in here very turmoil soul this morning, but you have peace now because you're with the people of God in the gathering of God's people. You're at church. And I'm not just saying that because I get extra points in heaven if more people come to church. I get nothing. I, here's what I'll tell you. I promise you today, nobody's skipping church in Afghanistan. Because it's the only place they can be with God's people around the table eating in the presence of God. How crazy for us to go, nah, not going to church today. Sharing. There's another way to come into the presence of God always. 
Jesus tells it in Matthew 25. If you go to prison, you visit me. If you clothe someone, you clothe me. If you feed someone, you feed me. And as much as you've done it to the least of these brothers of mine, you've done it to me. You want to get close to God? I say to people all the time, you want to get past the wah, wah, wah of COVID? Go serve somebody. Go help somebody. Go watch the people around you who need something more than you do and respond to that. And I promise you, you will be celebrating the peace offering. Jesus says this, and we need to lean into this more than ever. He said to them, I have earnestly desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. And it was at that Passover that he earnestly desired that he said, peace, I'm leaving you peace. That's what I'm offering you. And I earnestly desire to eat this meal of peace with you. He could, we could impose this over Leviticus 7. You don't have to, but I earnestly desire to sit in my house and eat with you and celebrate all that I've done in your life and to be friends. Guys, if the apostle Paul was writing to us 2,000 years later in the way that he wrote to the first century churches, I'm not sure what he'd tell us. Now, he might, he might start his letter to Eastview Christian Church a little bit like the, the Corinthian letter to the fearless church of Christ followers at Eastview and Normal and Bloomington, those who have been made holy in Jesus, called to be saints together with all those in central Illinois and Haiti and Afghanistan and India and El Salvador who call on the name of the Lord Jesus. I don't know what he'd write to us. He probably would say some pretty straightforward things about how we're responding to COVID and to one another and how we're living our lives. And he'd give us some insight, but I know this for sure. I know how he would greet us. I know the blessing he would pray for us. I know the truth he would say for us through Jesus Christ. Here's, here's how I know he would start his letter to us at some point. He would say, grace to you and peace from God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. The good news of this whole offering series is that God has given us grace by sacrifice to take away our sin. And he's given us peace because he wants to hang out with us and be our friend. So sincerely, from God the Father, through Christ the Son, by the Holy Spirit, peace. Thank you.